So do you have anything to tell the fans? Oh, hi guys. Welcome to African Digits. We're back with another episode and today we have a couple guests. But it's going to be an interesting adventure because, you know, final season. Actually, they don't know that. Okay. No, Got to cut that out. And well, it's fine, but do you want the guests to actually talk about themselves? No. So, as I was saying, <laughs> um, we're going to have guests, but like they're going to appear at some hour, some point to talk about something. Give us a little bit about your name, potentially, if you want to, what you do in this space, and what excites you about Africa or being African. Okay, Let me say there that. we go. Yeah. Sure, I'll go ahead uh, because I'll be fast. Damn, your voice. <coughs> My name is Collins. Let's see. I'm from Kenya, mm. but I left many <laughs> years ago. I'm 26 years old now. Wow. Oh, this is TMI. Yeah, I was like, wait, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like at the Chill, 26 just, part. Just listen. <laughs> so different um, and I left when I was seven, so it's been a long time. Whoa. So it's been 19 years of living in the U.S., but the question was, what is, how do I think of Africa? Or what? No, what excites, what excites you what excites about me? being African? I mean, where do you even start? I think about the, the, the like energy of, of African people wherever they are. They bring energy wherever they go. Hmm. And if I wasn't African and I lost that, I don't know. I don't know what life would look like. It'd be it'd be so much more colorless. Ew. So much less life happening. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, here, whether I'm here with people who are part of the African community or I'm back home in Kenya, it's still that same like energy vibe. So amazing yeah the rest of us here like wow so my name is oh Vettel Tasfamariam I'm from Ethiopia and Eritrea um, I grew up in southern Africa and I currently live in Ghana but I was born in Aarhus in Denmark and I'm an environmental analysis major but can you give us a rundown of the countries you said you were raised in southern Africa you know yeah. me as a southern African I'm always so, excited to hear these yeah, stories yeah so I was raised in Zambia Ooh. Lusaka Zambia mm. Harare, Zimbabwe, Damn. and Ezawini in Swaziland. Damn. Mine, I think my reason, like, why I'm excited or what excites me most about being African is similar to Collins. I think it has to do with connection, though. Um, so I just feel like being part of the diaspora in some ways now, studying here, I think a lot about what it means to be African outside of the African continent, even though I was never necessarily, like, obviously Zambian in Zambia. I was always Ethiopian in Zambia, but African nonetheless. And it was me being African that really allowed me to connect with like Zambians and like Zimbabweans and Swazis. And even in the diaspora, it's me being African that's enabled me to connect to fellow Africans, but also in this case, black people. So I think what excites me being African has to do with what excites me about being black as well and being able to connect with other people because of those identities and that warmth. Um, that I feel when I'm around Africans and Black people. I guess the reason I asked for you to like line up the countries is, is to, I guess, bring to the front like the kind of Africans that are going to engage in this conversation mm -hmm. in terms of just like space and what colors your experience as a human and how you navigate the world. Mm -hmm. um, you've clearly, like you grew up in different countries. Like you went through the process of growing up in different countries. Mm -hmm. And that's what shapes your connection to the continent and how you even perceive the continent um, you left the continent and had to and have like a the, the diasporic experience growing up outside of the continent you have it inside the continent I grew ended up traveling later on 
but also grew up in a Portuguese country speaking English. So like in terms of... And then I went to Nairobi. And then I went to Nairobi and then kept speaking English and then went to South Africa, kept speaking English and, and so on and so forth. But in terms of having this conversation about Africans and African digits, it's just interesting to see like what what is it, like from what perspective almost, what perspective we're going to use to navigate the questions and the themes that we're going to talk about today, mm -hmm. which, are, which are isms. And by isms, we mean, let's, let, let's, let me drop some so you can understand. Afrofuturism. Well, not really, but um, <laughs> what, what are, what are, no, what are no, nice no, ones? No. What are good What are we looking for here? I don't, I think, um, yes, please, Valerie. Valerie. I mean, I think Outline ism, isms. I don't think it's necessarily about an outline. It's about a recognition of the different systems that are present within the world we live in. Oppressive systems, systems of domination and the ways within which we navigate them, right? Yes, so yes. with classicism, I think really the structure that's there is capitalism, right? Ooh. But the way it manifests themselves, itself amongst, you know, day-to-day -day living and in, at least with regards to relations like, is in the form of classicism. There's sexism, but obviously the other structure is patriarchy. There is, you know, another one. Guys, come Racism. on. Racism. Race? White supremacy. Oh my God, and exactly. The is... And there's that. And colorism. there's the colorism. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And the isms go on and on. And so I think one of the reasons why we just decided to talk about isms in that sense is because it's an ever-expanding frontier. The more we understand ourselves as society, the more we understand ourselves as human beings, the more we complicate the world and the things that need to keep shifting. And I think for us, using that time is leaving that space open for further interpretation, further consultation, but also just a different way for us to all keep thinking about the ways within which we perform weak work in this, you know, so-called sphere of wokeness, in a sense. And I think about why that matters. <laughs> That's kind of an important thing is why does it matter to have a recognition of, the, of this ism? I think before people get there, you have to start at recognizing that every person is human and therefore has dignity and that it is something that I don't know how to say it, that it's it's integral. You have you, we should understand that humans have dignity and that it's something that requires us to respect it or to honor it. Yeah, that I think that's a that's a better word to honor it. And so if we're doing any type of work, it's so that we can honor the the humanity and the dignity of somebody of a different person you know i do i do want to push back against that a little bit because i just feel like we need to move past this investment in human and in being human and in struggling for things or fighting for things because we're human and i think that i also i also want to make it very clear that i'll be speaking from the standpoint of being an African woman, an Ethiopian woman, a queer woman, and someone who is very, very interested in Marxist thought and that kind of radical, kind of anarchist move of dismantling these interlocking systems of domination and these isms that we're going to be discussing. And what does that look like when we think about like the proletariat or the working class and the class that we are coming from and the privileges that we've enjoyed growing up? I think it's something that's very, in some ways, uncomfortable for me to talk about, but incredibly important to reckon with our class privilege. And a lot of African feminists that have the platform to be able to speak up against these different oppressions or isms also have that class privilege and often come from middle or 
high-income backgrounds. I think also wrestling with, with what that looks like and what that means for the kinds of spaces we create and the kinds of conversations that we have. And also thinking about the natural environment that we're so connected to, that we're made of, we'll return to and are nourished by, and in what ways our imaginings or dreams for the future and continuing like Pan-African struggles or whatever it may be, need to also think about sustainability and honoring the sacredness of the land and nature around us as connected to us. I actually, so I think two points from that. When you first um, talked about um, problematizing the notion of human, I actually thought you were going to um, go within the sphere of how even the term human is a contested construction or identity. Oh, yeah. And like that definitely, I feel like that's something that coming from a point of appealing to our humanity obviously hasn't worked so far. So it's difficult to see how that becomes the point from which we function, especially in a world whereby even that ability to recognize them ourselves as human is from a day-to-day -day challenged or antagonized. Mm -hmm. And then going back to the notion of ism, I do recognize that to a sense, it, we're in a way also talking about like, you know, the oppressions, systems of domination, but we're also talking about the practices of refusal, the resistance that comes from it. So when you're thinking about feminism, right? You're thinking about anarchism. So in a sense, like maybe there is usefulness. And not always, in, right? You're, it's not always feminism, it's anarchism. Yeah, exactly. And there's much more to that. Like, And as, I, I guess the reason I'm saying that is that even as we're having this conversation, like it's not all gloom or as black people or as dispossessed people, we aren't necessarily, you know, this is what we're suffering from, but also how do we choose to resist? How do we choose to exist? How do we choose to be alive? even with all these different systems coming from all different kinds of corners. So mm -hmm. I think that that's something worthwhile, even as we have this conversation in, just, in terms of just putting that in mind. Mm -hmm. All right, let's take it a step back. What do you want to talk about? What calls you? Well, y'all don't fucking want to like listen to me when I fucking talk about anarchism, okay? Then we don't want to talk about I anarchism. Know, okay, wait, 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 yeah. but wait, wait. Anarchism. Could you please tell us what anarchism is? For me, it's the destruction, the destruction of, all systems. of systems that are existing currently. And, and there's no, no that's system. not anarchism, though. What is anarchism? Anarchism generally is the destruction of systems, period. That's exactly. the goal, right? Not necessarily because the contradiction... Exactly. So what is it about the... The contradiction of anarchism to some extent, in, in some ways, is that you... It is like, it, it isn't, but like the destruction of the system is to, to replace it with another one. Such that it's always kind of the, the notion of revolution as okay, friend, going back and what's forth. What's your ideal? What's your ideal world? Yeah, yeah I don't know. He's I don't think about ideas. Yeah, I'm not what's pushing your ideal world? I just want to know. What's um, your ideal world? I don't have an ideal world. I don't believe in humanity yeah. or the progress of humans like that. Like I, I've, I've okay. to some okay. extent lost faith so, in that. Okay, but I you also okay. You talked about Afrofuturism at one yes. point. I know you're interested in media and film and photography, Amen. right? So, what kinds of realities are you mm -hmm. striving or hoping to construct and create in your work? Yeah, I want one where like men are kissing men, and I'm watching them kiss men. Period. I'm joking, mom. Hi. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, it is a world that I think runs on, I don't want to say equality, but... And what about women kissing women? I don't know. But yeah, I have a question. What about yeah, women yeah, yeah, yeah. kissing women? And this question... And honestly, have we not spoken about this before? Wait, wait, wait. How many gay wait. men do I have to see in, in films? But how many, where, 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 the, where are how the many black of them women? are white? Where the fuck are the black women kissing yeah, I understand. black women? I can, okay, I don't, don't want to okay, have competition. No, but this is interesting yeah. because... I hadn't planned on asking this, but we were having this conversation with Betel after the San Bonani Film Festival. Yes. And how masculinist the place Vision. from which you 
perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. in a sense. And I also want to say, and it's not that, like a criticism. I also want to say that these curious. are critiques of love. I, I do want to mm-hmm. say that we need to we need to foster in some ways space where we have critiques of love. And I would also like you to critique me. But also, where are the black women kissing black women? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. like in the same, and and I guess that's the interesting thing about being friends with both of you <laughs> is that I can see how, from a sense, you both come from, you know, equally loving, equally fostering in the sense that you're not necessarily like you do good work, both of you, in terms of holding each other up as you know two friends do, but in terms of like where your struggle or where you choose to you know advocate for yeah. or like the perspective from which you're most invested in is very different in an interesting way yeah that's interesting so in terms of i remember when we started this conversation it was it was the idea of, of how we fail or fall out let mm-hmm. me put it fall out of isms not isms but not how is trouble fall, i don't even fall out of of doing work wake work right it's the idea that we're trying to achieve an ideal of who we're supposed mm-hmm. to be and how we want to navigate the world and have and make the world a better place like su- sufficient wearing nike shoes wearing, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly who? So, 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 who? all of us right us like so, so we're, exactly we're trying to failure. do this wake Don't work say us, say you. wearing you definitely own brand clothes i'm not yes. saying no but are I'm you not saying, the one waiting for 30 discounts darling I'm on not, really expensive websites i'm not saying that i don't do it but uh, i think something useful came with the heat today. Uh, i'm not saying that no, i don't I'm do upset. it okay. you want to call me stiff because we, no. have, we have to talk about this. Uh, there's so nothing. Good. No, but the thing I'm saying when I say don't say we talk about you is because I feel like this space uh, is for, you know, it's like me calling myself out as opposed to necessarily or, or calling myself in or whatever mm-hmm. time you want to use as opposed to we as a generation. Because I feel like there's there's a lot of nuance that's lost in the plurality of it all. Okay. Of it all. Uh, you know, I, I really dig the conversation on on contradictions, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's the conversation we're having. And, you know, I... I don't think that it's possible for any one person to be good or to to like have in mind another person's equality so to speak in a complete sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Because it, regardless of how wise you are, you you still are a person who is looking for yourself mm-hmm. or looking to see yourself shown in a, in in your world. Yes, yes, yes. So I think you know it, it it does take you first of all being okay with your contradictions and then yeah hearing what batel is saying right hearing what somebody who's going to call you out or call you in however you want to describe it seeing that okay you you do have some some stuff some bullshit uh that you're responsible for and figuring out how to how to live with it and also how to work with it is that a different ism is that egocentrism as well to some extent like i often wonder and i shouldn't as often as i do as a as a black woman as an african woman but in terms of like what does it mean to want to see myself and what does it mean to want to what does it mean to want to work in ways that allow me to see myself more or speak in spaces where i'm talking about myself and the perspectives that i'm coming with and is that like in some ways are we engaging in the same white project of like me 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 and like look at me and look at my struggle and look at my story and you know it's like what is lost in the individual story also and then what is revealed and what is what what individual story speaks to multitudes of stories right like i just i think that is something that we can grapple with even when we think about media and media representations and what that means for a decolonial move that i think in some ways like in many ways i am very very interested in moving from a decolonial standpoint 
because although I come from Ethiopia and Ethiopia was never colonized, although it was occupied for like five years by Italy, um, I grew up and have in many ways formed my identity as an African in countries that had been previous colonies of Britain. And so it's like my kind of imagining around Africa and what it means to have an identity as an African where people are learning English languages in school and communicating in English and talking in English. It's like, how invested are we in the West? Like I'm wearing Nike shoes, but trying to think about Pan-Africanism and trying to think about decolonialism in art, in resistance, in radicalism, in Marxism, you know? And it's like those contradictions are stark and they're glaring. And what do we do with them? I mean, yeah, that, that's, I think that, that that's just how it works. I remember uh, I leave a friend's room, we usually complain about school and how sometimes this administration feels like anti-black, like it's working directly against you. Yes, the institution and then is anti-black. The whole we, world is anti-black. I always walk out of her room and the last thing we usually say is cognitive dissonance and then we walk away smiling. It's very funny. I, I find it I find it hilarious because um, like we're like, yeah, we're in the system. We hate the system. We want to beat down the system, but we're part of the system. And we're we, reproducing we're the system. We're reproducing the system. Like it's, it's a very interesting position to be in, especially us talking about like, you know, revolution, revolutionize the continent, make the continent better. But like to some extent, I find that my friends and I are struggling. Oh, my friends and I are struggling to um, reconcile that sometimes we do feel tempted to stay in the U.S. It's brief, but... <laughs> the, the the thought arises and and like dealing with brain the idea of brain drain arises right i'm not saying that it's going to be something to act on mm -hmm. but there is this you, you start feeling the contradiction sometimes that yeah you have to like fight and work with yourself to figure out what is it that you value um what is it that you want to work with work work on and the difficulties that will always come with whatever path that you choose right whether it's to keep with a system or even go against it there is a difficulty, there is a challenge, a struggle that will always come attached to it. Whether it is directed towards yourself, as in if you stay in the system of like always being under it and being or reproducing that system or or being against it and having to fight and be against it. That These but are all, both always, positions. You're always mm -hmm. complicit, right? Yeah. In one way or another, you're always complicit. And personally, mm -hmm. I couldn't care less about the United States. And I couldn't, I really couldn't. I couldn't mm -hmm. care less about being in the U.S. after yeah, graduation. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't care less about being in Ghana after graduation yeah. or wherever it may be. Uh -huh. Because fuck everywhere. No, seriously, fuck oh. everywhere. Because seriously, like if we're if we're still under a capitalist framework, yeah. then there are people being exploited. There yes. are people being killed mm -hmm. and dying for reasons that they should not be dying. Yes. Right? Yeah. And again, it's that idea. Like if we want to talk about wake work, we have to talk about the fact that Sharp is grappling with the fact that black people are always in the push towards death. Right. Yes. And a premature death. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing to romanticize here. Mm -hmm. Wake work is very, very serious work. Yes. We're tending to people who are always in the push towards death. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as a black person, regardless of where I am, mm -hmm. I'm in the push towards death. Mm -hmm. In one form or another, the system is up against me mm -hmm. and it wants to exploit my body. Yes. And so I'm entering a system and a world where my only purpose is to be exploited. And that mm -hmm. in, in relation to the dominant systems of power. They're not the only powers that exist. So yeah. I did study abroad in Cuba. Mm -hmm. Catch me in Cuba for a part of my life, yeah. you know? And like, and then again, there's that other power dynamic. I'm not Cuban. Mm -hmm. or even, and I'm in Cuba. Yeah. And I'm not Asada Shakur. Mm -hmm. What am I doing in Cuba? Or even that, I, I also studied abroad in Cuba. But when you're in Cuba, it's anti-black as fuck. I walked, 
I walked probably for like 20 minutes in Cuba. And I will say that it was the safest I felt in, you know, in comparison to being in the U.S. But at some point I got to a point where a policeman stopped me and he asked me for my ID, which is something that most people only associate with the U.S. Um, but I happen to be in an area that that Afro-Cubans in Havana live in. And and when you are moving from that area into where I would say maybe more like like people who have more of a European heritage, including tourists are, you get there and you realize, oh shit, this, even this place that I thought was safe and good for me is not. So definitely to speak to the fact that there is no good place. And now we have to think about uh, what Val was saying is, is what does the resistance look like? But before we get there, um, I mean, I hear what both of you are saying and I think it's true and full stop, right? I think something that we had to grapple with with our class is that there is, you know, this critical theory, this critical Which understanding. Which class was this? Um, African studies. There is, and I think it's really uh, what, anywhere. What was it? Intro? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's intro, but it's, I think it's every class that deals with critical theory. The fact that, you know, you get into the class and there are all these incredibly true, incredibly accurate viewings of the world that we have to grapple with. You know, it's tough. It's, it's really, it's hard. But at the same time, I think one of the things that I think is worth talking about is the ways in which, you know, there is the libidinal economy, there is the overarching system from which we exist from as black people, as people who whose existence is basically the foundation of like white supremacy. You know, for there to be white, then there has to be the construction of something black and etc. But then there is, and I think that's one usefulness in terms of maybe moving this to the continent is also looking at the ways within which in the political, social, cultural spheres within which we navigate, there's still that micro oppression, not really micro oppression, but the micro ways within which the interlocking systems of domination exist, right? So like, for instance, it's easy for me to come here and talk about, you know, fuck white supremacy um, and all this is very valid. But at the same time, I feel like for me being in London really illuminated for me the ways in, within which as an international student studying in the U.S. with coming from a, you know, a predominantly white institution that has a $2 billion endowment, there's a sense of social mobility that I don't think exists for many people, thousands, millions of people around the world. Mm -hmm. And then there's the me going back to Nairobi, right? Because I think that, that that's one thing that I'm very committed to doing work about, like the ways within which I, as a human being, I'm still complicit in some ways in terms of my privilege and, and being able to foreground that, even as I'm having this conversation, being able to be like, okay, so I can see the systems and this is what's wrong about them, but let me come from a clean place of saying, so but this is what I feel, like the platforms from which I am privileged to speak about these issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that that for me has enabled me to give voices or want to create spaces for more and more people to actually talk about their own experience. And I, and I think part, part of that is going back to when you're talking about the egocentrism and how, in a sense, when you even like recognizing the fact that African feminists, if you were to look at what their background is, you know, it comes from somewhat a sense of privilege sometimes, a lot mm -hmm. of the times, let me say that. So I'm just curious to know about what, what you people think about um, how as people who are dispossessed, also dispossessed. And this is still yet in a 
recognition that the relations of force are not similar. So me saying that we dispossess is in no way saying that white supremacy doesn't exist. But even within the hold that we exist in, how in that hold we still dispossess in one way or the other based on how white supremacy, the, you know, the logic of white supremacy functions even to the people in the captive ship. And I think that um, it is useful to kind of make a distinction, although I'm not incredibly confident about this distinction. I've heard it being made by professors that have spoken to me about these issues in the past between white supremacy and whiteness and how we are in these institutions as much as we're benefiting from this kind of social mobility that you were talking about, Valerie, we're also like participating in whiteness, right? And Collins mentioned like reproducing these systems of domination, right? And in some ways, yes, causing and being complicit in this other kind of dispossession that maybe we need to find a different term for, or maybe using the similar term is helpful, right? But when you're talking about having these platforms of privilege, we need to understand that even having those platforms of privilege and having those privileges, in order to do emancipatory work, we need to be willing to sacrifice it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really had to grapple with in Cuba is like, could I live here? Mm -hmm. You know, like being in these spaces where we get to go shopping Black Friday, Cyber Monday, like we're trying to go get deals and, you know, you have so much variety. I go to the vending machine, I can choose between Snicker Bar, Takis, Cheetos. Mm -hmm. Like there's just so many choices and it's so available to you. Even coming to the U.S. after having studied abroad in Cuba, like someone was like, the capitalism is so in your face, you know? And just the fact that I went to Cuba on study abroad, like as a study abroad student with a liberal arts institution, and our program had, you know, all of these arrangements for us where we eat at a restaurant with a five course, like three course meal every night. And we're living in Vedado, which is like kind of more of a high income neighborhood compared to like other places like Riga across like the kind of water. It's a completely different experience from the everyday Cuban experience. And even Cuba itself, I think bringing up the anti-blackness helps to not romanticize it. Right. And thinking about what kinds of communities and groups we want to engage with in order to build towards a more just future. I think that's what is also part of our responsibility with these platforms and with these privileges is what kinds of views and what kinds of groups do we create platforms for. But I, I definitely believe very strongly that we need to be working with groups that are coming from working class backgrounds that are like and, and really amplifying their voices and their needs, not our needs, not our experiences all the time. Like, it's not about us. On that we note, have so many extent, fucking privileges. We do. We have so many fucking privileges. But I wonder, I've sat down many days and thought, what if I was wrong? Right? Um, in terms of thinking about what I think an ideal world should be, where we should lead to, what work I should be doing, not doing, um, who I should be emancipating or not emancipating, who should I be emancipated? Like that notion of like, I should be emancipating someone or something. Like, what if I was wrong? What if I'm leading? What if the world that I'm striving for is is a wrong, unjust one? And it probably um, is. Right, exactly. So it's 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 almost this notion of what does it mean to, to how do we grapple with, okay, we want to emancipate the world and then, or people and then like you know, saviorship. I think part of it, that's it. That's the, yeah. that's the, that's the thing, right? Is are you coming in as a savior? Or are you coming in as a partner, mm -hmm. partner, or are you coming in, you know, I mean, partner as in, are you coming in and is your first question, your first question, how do you want me to help you? Or how, how is whatever I can do 
beneficial to you. Yeah, right? so it's because, even that notion of like, what what can I do? Yeah, but but what I'm saying is that no, you're no, gonna, no, no, you're Fred, gonna it's first, not what can I do, what can we do? That's what Carlos yeah. is saying. It's, it's so the notion that you need to be included for change to be happening. Right, that there is a life that you what must live that purpose? is outside. What other purpose do I have? Like, you see, exactly. Just to be? Just to and, be? Just and, and, to be. And that, that in question. itself is a privilege. That in itself is a privilege. Just is, to be. Just like, to be. Yeah. I will just exist. Yeah. And and so all of these people will like suffer. And including you? me. Including it, me. With, like, I mean, Inclu- oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm one person, right? Uh-huh. How much of a difference will you make? No, it's make? not about how much of a difference. Do you need to do something? I cannot be passive. And I will not be more complicit than I have fine. to be. And what you were saying before about compromises, I think is a very important conversation to have. What position are you willing to put yourself in and what kind of compromises are you willing to make it's in not your about life? Compromise. It's about what if your philosophy on Do life and how to live <laughs> is... is, is the, yeah. Like, I mean, I remember I mean, having... Uh-huh. If Close I can. Up. Yes, please. Uh, for example, you know, I think about my family, right? My, my mom and I moved here, mm-hmm. right? We're still working class in the US, mm-hmm. but relatively right we're doing way better than whoever is working class in kenya and we're also doing uh we're doing a lot better than whoever is in our family still living in rural kenya right Mm -hmm. so if i go to them and i ask them what do you want and their and their answer to me is what you have yes do i how do i then me saying oh well i've gone to a great liberal arts school that's told me that i need to be for the working class so now my my question is how am i supposed to deal with you saying that you want to live or to have the life that i have and most of the time i'm saying this life that i have is not good yeah or is not the one that that we should be living as humans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and now you're right we really have to reckon with that you really have to think about that and it there's no i don't i i really don't think there's a clear answer i don't mm-hmm. think people have really actually gotten to a point where they can say there's a clear answer yeah 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 that's 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 the question like you think like it's like fred you're pissing me off <laughs> <laughs> no but it, it's the question because it's very easy for me to be like this is emancipation this is what you should be doing this is the way to freedom when someone's like i just want what you have when i think that what i have is trash it's like how do i reconcile with i don't want to impose a freedom on someone else because is that then a freedom when i'm imposing it again and then yeah go fred. That is a very luxurious statement. I know. No, it's not. It really is. No, you know why? Because the systems that we're up against are very powerful. I I think the luxury is me assuming that I'm right. They're exploiting us on a daily basis. So it's not about assuming that you're right. It's understanding and humbling ourselves to think that there are people before us that have dreamed. There are people before us that have understood what exactly is wrong with the system that exists. What is a dream? That we're being flung into. You want me to have kids? But then the issue is... The issue is, are we not also doing that dreaming? Are we not also thinking about what the futures should look like, right? Mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. And it's we can't just say that these people did that work and so now we're going to take take on whatever it is they said. It's that we also are doing a work of thinking about what the future is. Other people, the people who we're saying that we're out here to work for, who are doing the same, and that, you know, part of that partnership is all of us saying what what is... A future that works for us, all of us, recognizing that we already exist within different classes or, you know, whatever, all those all those things that we were talking about at the beginning, right? Is that we start from different points. Sometimes it can we can we can look back and and we can say that 
maybe there was a time that was better or a thing that was better or that somebody's articulation of an idea about what is better was the right answer at that time and it's still changing like i agree i agree i agree that it's changing and i agree that you know marks and angles and various people who have given us all kinds of frameworks their work was not necessarily intersectional right and now we're all about intersectionality their work wasn't always anti-colonial so we're we're definitely coming from different standpoints and different perspectives and they weren't necessarily grappling with even though they were very critical of the nuclear family and patriarchy and how it structures this nuclear family and how that benefits capitalism they weren't necessarily talking about queerness right mm-hmm. so yes we we bring different perspectives and yes we have different dreams and different ways of envisioning that and i do think that in some ways we have different tools to bring to the table in order to envision a different future and i agree to some extent with you fred that we don't have any any right or entitlement to determine what is freedom for other people but i think in some in some ways it's okay it's okay to have some level of leadership in establishing an order that's going to benefit the majority of the people it's, instead of exploit the majority of the people i understand that but i think it's always just that i think it's always we need to just like get to that place of sometimes we are going to do the exact work that we were trying to fight against i i think I don't know if that's like true for how the world really functions. I don't want to make any claims like that, but there's there there seems to be that our goal towards freedom and emancipation will come with again contradictions. The same way we live life, you know, we breathe and there come there come contradictions in that process. I think even this journey of decolonization comes with its own contradictions too, which is I think is which is what we even wanted to talk about here. Like there are so many contradictions that we have to deal with mm-hmm. to just like do anything. I think in terms of falling out of isms, you know, I'm trying to create, you know, sexual liberation. Everyone can express their yes, sexuality, baby. right? Right? Queerness, right? And at the same time we spoke about, it. yeah, I it seems that through this my process of emancipating what sexuality and sexual orientation can look like, it comes from a very masculinist perspective, right? In terms of there's this failure almost in my attempt to reach this freedom that comes at the expense of some other representations of what queerness and queer love can look like you know i think one of the things that becomes kind of frustrating for me have... around masculinity mm-hmm. and is that i know this might be problematic to say but i think in many ways black women non-binary folk mm-hmm. various people i think are being asked to grieve masculinity Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I feel. And I really I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I don't think does that make sense yeah, to me? Yeah, it makes sense. There, you, there is there is makes sense to me, but <laughs> does that make sense to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It it, it makes it makes sense. There's this w- weird thing going on in terms of like black men asking for pity <laughs> right now. And I also and don't I get can't. it. I can't. I mean, I can't. And I completely understand. I can't pity you. I can but, I can like in some ways we can hold one another in the journey but yes. we cannot pity each other. Yeah. And I cannot grieve Ex- masculinity mm-hmm. yep. when it in many ways detaching yourself or mm-hmm. liberating yourself from the constructions of masculinity within patriarchy and all of the isms that we're talking about which have to do with capitalism mm-hmm. is a freeing process. Like if you're becoming liberated mm-hmm. this is not a wake that I will attend. Uh-huh. Could you please expound on what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, so what I'm talking about is that yes there are consequences to not aligning yourself or being invested in dominant 
constructions of masculinity yes. or patriarchy, right? But that undoing process is supposedly a liberating process, right? Where mm -hmm. you're able to really access your emotions, yes. express your emotions, be vulnerable, right? And in that process, I think the artistry and the forms of expression and the ways that things are being done, like I mentioned before, are mm -hmm. demanding that I grieve masculinity when detaching yourself or freeing yourself from that is supposed to be a liberatory process. So now the question is, so is, is what you looked at the critical work of detaching from masculinity or to some extent the, the guys that happens where to some extent there's the failure to detach because there okay, are people yeah. who question and this masculinity does, and, and it, you see and it. I think that part of why there's so much work to be done and yeah. why we're and grappling with contradictions because we're not only and we know this envisioning a more just future or a future that is like better but we're doing a lot of undoing work yeah right and deconstructing and dismantling and that's why we do need to turn to to leaders like sankara who are also really trying or who were trying to do that kind of decolonial work of question what you're wearing question what you're admiring so when you say collins what does it mean to go back home and have someone say i want what you have you really do need to have a more intricate, complex, or or accessible. Let me not say intricate or complex, but accessible Ooh, and kind of educational one. model that people are going to understand that there there is something to be proud of that doesn't have to do with the U.S. and that doesn't have to do with capitalism. I think that that is the perfect segue to end on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So many questions left unanswered, and so no. Put your masculinity aside and let my statement close out this session. Uh, why? Um, <laughs> can we unpack okay, that? No, we don't not have time to unpack <laughs> that. Uh, you can unpack that off record. But yeah, but I think the essential or rather the useful aspect of having this conversation is to see that it, it's not a conversation that ends with one episode. It's a conversation that even amongst friends, we will have different views about. Mm -hmm. But it's a conversation that's nevertheless worthwhile investing in and constantly doing that work to you know, deconstruct, to educate, to reimagine and re-educate even yourself, right? And it's something that keeps on changing, right? And so, yeah, thank you people for um, attending and sharing your wise words and passionate views. <laughs> thank you so much for having <laughs> thank us. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I'll find you, Fred. Find me. Um, if you see that Fred is missing online or perhaps <laughs> dead, you know what happened. It's a lie. Follow me, Fata Bay, Instagram. She's being serious. End. Oh, I don't know why you guys. No, are... like press the end thing. It's over. It's over. Okay, oh, just okay. close okay. that thing and upload it. Thank you. Fata Bay is spelled F E T A. Okay, full stop. Be.